You're listening to Aesthetically Speaking. On this podcast, we're talking about all things branding, logos, colors, fonts, and the strategy behind it all. It seems like these days it's easier than ever to build an audience, but harder than ever to stand out online. My name's Rebecca, and I'm a brand strategist and designer. I'm here with my sister, Abby, a lawyer who needs a creative outlet. Together, we're going to talk about how to bring your brand to life. Welcome to Aesthetically Speaking. No spoilers. Uh, <laughs> the theme for this week is color. Da, 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 da. Yes. We have a good color challenge that we're going to do at the beginning and then some stuff that we want to talk about in terms of color and aesthetics and branding specifically. So tell us tell us about the challenge that we're going to do. Okay. It's not as much of a challenge as it is a get to know you. That's fine. An icebreaker, we'll say. An icebreaker, you know. So I thought it would be fun for Rebecca and I to say what our color code colors are mm-hmm. and and then also what our color seasons are. So yes. if you if you know me, my one talent in life is I am very good at dividing things into categories, <laughs> which actually is very useful as a lawyer. But I also love all of like the personality tests, all of the little schemes for defining people. Same. So the the color code, if you haven't heard of it, was very popular when I was like a young child. My aunts all went on some retreat and took this quiz. Yeah, I feel like it was maybe a precursor to some of these other more intense personality tests. Like you had the Myers-Briggs, but then I feel like there was the color code and that was like the standard for a long time, way before we had like the Enneagram or your human design or like that kind of thing. Yeah. So for the color code, there's only four colors and you usually have one is your primary motivation and then Mm -hmm. a secondary motivation. Obviously Mm -hmm. everybody is some combination of multiple. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I remember what you are. I think I know what you are. I'm, I'm 99% sure that I'm blue. Self-diagnosed, of course. Self-diagnosed. I mean, it's a quiz and the quiz is pretty easy to hack. Yeah. Okay. That's so funny actually, because as I say that, I think <laughs> I'm like, I'm 99% blue. Actually, I'm not blue at all. I, okay. I spoiler. <laughs> Keep on your toes here. <laughs> I think I'm actually red. I think I have a lot of blue motivations, but the way that I do things is red. So m- maybe let's explain it. Red, your primary motivation is power. Yes. Blue, your primary motivation is relationships, right? Yeah. Yellow is fun and white is peace. So yeah. you can see why as a... It's like, a little bit re- reductive, not to insult yes. it. Like it's a very useful tool, but I, I don't know what kind of scheme they use to decide that those are the four primary motivations people have. Yeah. I think even in their, even in that methodology, it kind of came out that most people are likely to be blue because of how they phrase the questions, some of the other ones tended to be kind of extreme. Yeah. Well, so if you're as a teenager, I was like, I don't want to be red. That means I'm a jerk. Like who's right. I don't want to be white. That means I'm a pushover. And exactly. It's it's definitely more nuanced than that. At least it's intended to be. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think like all personality secondary. Okay. So I think, I think red is probably my primary and blue is my secondary. Okay. I don't have a lot of white or yellow. That checks out to me. Like you're not really, or you are fun. I'm not really oriented to fun. Yes. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah. This is a Gretchen Rubin thing that I know we've talked about, but play does not come as easily to me as work does. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and also we should probably we should probably say who you are in case people can't oh, tell yes. our voices apart. Oh, yes. We're not sure if they can. <laughs> Um, this is aesthetically speaking. I'm Rebecca, and this is my sister Abby, and our voices sound too similar Identical. to apart. <laughs> yeah. When Rebecca's first baby would FaceTime me, he would like look back and forth. Really yes. confused. Oh, I really don't think he knew who was who for a little bit. Yes. Some of our um nieces and nephews on Cobb's side, I think they literally think that some of their uncles are the same person. Like they're yeah. just one of them because Cobb looks Cobb his- very, very similar to his brothers. He does. He does. Okay. So Rebecca is likely presumed to be red and blue. Yes. Okay, and so I-, I actually think that I'm going too far into this, but I actually think that red is more motivated by structure than by power. And I actually think that like structure and power are two sides of the same coin, but power has so many negative connotations in personality specifically that I wonder if they had used like structure or influence or persuasion, like just something that they'd use a different term. If that would have resonated more with me and with other people, because I was like, so put off by this idea of power. even like passionate, like if you're driven by purpose or passion, like yeah. that would maybe be better. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Okay. So what would you say yours are? So mine, from when I took the quiz and uh-huh. read the whole book, I'm blue yellow. Okay, yeah, I agree with which that. Which I th- I think actually checks out for me. Like I I'm a, definitely an extrovert. I'm very mm-hmm. motivated by wanting to be around people and having relationships. You've always had a lot of friends, and I feel like you're really a good friend. Yeah, and that's something that's important to me. I like being around people, being in places where. There's lots of bodies around and also like having deep relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do think that I am someone that's motivated by like, I want to be enjoying my life. Like it should be mm-hmm. fun sometimes to the extent that it should be fun. And so I'll shirk my duties to do it. I think I get that from our dad <laughs> <laughs> in the best way. I feel like you're still super on top of things though. I mean, that's the problem with a personality quiz like this is it just boils everything down so much that somebody's like, Oh, right. Abby's really fun. And I'm like, well, she has like a successful job. Like, it's not like you're just right. And and I don't necessarily mean like, Oh, I'm going to leave the courthouse and not go to work because I'm too busy playing a video game. I more mean like in a moral sense, I think there are people that are so concerned with doing like what is absolutely right. Doing yes. their duty. Yes. And I, that is a something I I do care about that, yeah. But I also want it to be I want it to feel fun if I'm doing the right thing. Does that make sense? Yes. So yeah. Um. So the second one was I wanted us to say our color seasons. What? That's I don't know who invented this. I don't know who to give credit to, but it's a system for basically saying what colors and shades and variations complement your natural skin tone features etc so hopefully this will give you like a visual sense yeah you can, maybe what we look like you can imagine what we look like i feel like this stuff is all over my instagram page every I time tr- i feel like i feel like it goes in waves 
my mom used to, our mom, we have the same mom. Our mom <laughs> used to say that they'd like go to the mall and get color typed and someone would have a bunch of swatches. Yes. And you would have like a, and I've always kind like, of been jealous. Yeah. The little card in your wallet where you like walk around and look at it and you're like, oh, that color is too green. Oh, that color is too yellow. You know? Yeah. I really, I think everybody really likes the idea that there's like a magic color that's going to make them the the most beautiful but natural version of themselves. I don't know if that really exists, but I do see these videos where these girls have something draped over them and then they change it. And it really does like, like it changes their complexion. Yeah. I don't know know that I found my magic color, but I have found my ugly stepsister color. I have found the color (laughs) that makes me look so disgusting. (laughs) Okay. So what is your color season and what's your ugly stepsister color okay based on what i learned from youtube i think i'm a i think i'm a uh, what's it called soft summer soft summer okay so what does that mean so soft summer is soft meaning instead of like the purest form of a color that's really clear Mm -hmm. i'm more likely to look good in something that is a mixture of like blue and a little bit of orange blue and a little bit of yellow gotcha colors i think Many of them are really trendy right now, kind of these like muted, mm-hmm. anything with a little bit of brown mixed in. Yeah. Sun-soaked, muddied colors are mm-hmm. more likely to look better on me than like a bright tomato red. Right. Like the purest form. Right. So like that safety yellow that's like almost lime green. Uh-huh. If I wear that, I just look like a troll, like my skin <laughs> My skin looks like I'm back in middle school. I look so blemishy. All of the discoloration on my face is just like standing straight out. I love that color so much, but I agree that it does make you look like a troll. It makes me look like a troll. I own it. I still wear it sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes you got to be a troll, but it's not good. I think that like citrusy, mustardy, green, yellow, whatever you want to call it, color I think that looks good on me. The problem that I have is that I have a lot of yellow, just like more pure yellow. And that really doesn't look good on me. Yeah. But Abby says that I am probably a bright summer. A bright spring. A bright spring. Sorry. um, As my color palette, which means I have, I think I'm like bright and warm. Yes. So my hair is like neutral, right? Like it's just brown, just brown. (laughs) And I have neutral, warm undertones. Yeah. And Rebecca, you can't see her because this is a podcast. But Rebecca, I would say the difference between Rebecca and I is Mm -hmm. Rebecca has like bright blue eyes, Mm -hmm. striking blue in their purest form. And my eyes like can look green depending on what I'm wearing. Mm -hmm. They're much, they are blue, but they're like a blue gray yeah, And so I think that's reflective. Like Rebecca looks good in the bright colors. Think mm-hmm. like Emma Stone in La La Land where she's mm-hmm. wearing like the primary colors that are true. Yeah. And I look better in, if you like can't quite tell if like, is this a chocolate brown? Is this a purple? Is this a blue? That's the color that I look great yes, in. Yes, 100%. Yeah, that's so true. I wish I dressed like Emma Stone in La La Land. That would be really a lot cuter would than it, what I wear <laughs> I think your brand photos are very true to like the colors you've picked for your brand. And then you also wore for your style shoot. I thought were very on point for that. Yes. I really like those photos too. I, I am lucky because I feel like my brand colors, like the hot pink and the orange and the peach color, like those are all kind of trendy right now. So it was a little bit easier to find stuff to wear, 
when I did photos a couple of years ago, I was like, does anyone have an orange blouse? Like anything that's not light green, you know? Yeah. So I love that. So let's talk a little bit about what we're going to discuss about color today. I actually, I have so many thoughts and opinions about color. I probably have too much to say, but yeah. what would you and like I to know about color? Questions. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have kind of more conceptual questions and then I have some specific questions. Where, what, what do you think is more helpful first? Let's start with like a specific question. Let's see where it takes us. My specific question is I wanted to talk about the colors of the text messages on an iPhone. <laughs> oh my gosh. So like the blue, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're if you going iPhone to iPhone, if you're in the mm-hmm. same ecosystem, I consider that to be like digital blue. I don't know mm-hmm. what its Pantone name is, but yeah. like there's something very internet about that blue color. Yes. And then if you're texting someone who is a blood trader who has uh, <laughs> an Android like my husband, <laughs> they make it green. Uh-huh. And I, I just always wondered like, do you think they purposely chose colors that were less pleasing? So why did they go with blue for blue for club members and green for outsiders? Yeah. So this is actually something that Cobb and I have discussed a lot because we briefly switched to Androids back in 2017. Because we I, thought I remember that, that, that would be cool. And it we, was a dark time for the family group text, I will tell you. I am serious. And like I know that people with iPhones are so obnoxious about their group texts and their reactions and all that, but it truly, this sounds so dramatic, but- Tore our family apart. No, it literally harmed our social life so much. Because (laughs) here's the thing, instead of people just like, oh, well, we'll just have a group chat with you that's not an iMessage, they would just kick us out. Like, oh, well, you're no longer invited. Like, literally, they just kicked us out of the family group chat. And we're like, so yeah, guess you're no That's longer in the, the family. Wrong colors can do for you. They will exclude you from your own family. Oh, my gosh. No, the, the real reason that we actually switched back is because you cannot send full resolution photos via your default Android messenger. So you can send okay, them via WhatsApp, that. via Google Photos, you know, any of those. That's like a whole thing that we don't need to get into. It's stupid because Apple, let me see if I'm saying this right. Somebody's going to correct me. But basically, Android has the capability to send messages between users. It's Apple who's blocking it. That does not surprise me. Because it's it's created such a thing. Like literally the only reason we switched back was because of iMessage. I was like, this is not working for me. I have to be able to send photos. I don't want to use a third app to send photos to people. Anyway. But um, it's interesting from a color theory perspective, which is probably a good place to start, reading white text on blue is easier than white text on green. Not Mm -hmm. significantly, but enough so that I think it's strategic where you probably generally (laughs) enjoy reading the blue text more than the green text. So it's not just made up that you're like, man, when I text that user i feel annoyed no it's actually your eyes being like we can't see yes yes so okay so here's like your basic color theory right because color is based on the light that your eyes can perceive so the more light that your eyes can take in the more colors that you can see like we talked about visible light invisible light all of that stuff yada 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 
So a lot of like color psychology, if you want to call it that, is loosely based on ideas. (laughs) Sorry, I need to say that because when I do finger quotes, I cannot just do finger quotes. I have to do this like hyperactive bunny hopping finger quotes so that you know I'm finger quoting. Yeah. (laughs) So finger quoting. And also say it again because you got all all pixelated and sounded like (laughs) a robot. So I actually didn't hear what you said. (laughs) Okay. So what I was saying is when people are talking about color psychology, quote unquote, They are loosely using some idea of how we perceive color based on how much light there is. And the theory is like lighter colors are perceived to be maybe happier than darker colors. You know, like there's some very basic things there. Here's my little rant on color psychology that will shock and surprise you. Color psychology, meaning like, oh, if you paint a room red, people will feel this way. If you put food on a blue plate, people will eat less. Yes. So like, I'm sure you've seen some kind of infographic that looks like this on the internet. It will have like all of the colors and it will say like, red makes you hungry. It also makes you passionate and angry and yellow makes you happy and blue makes you calm. I think that is a load of crap. (laughs) Whoa. I know, I know. That's actually not like that revolutionary. But here's the thing. Our perception of color is so subjective based on our previous perception and experience with color. So this idea that like, oh, blue will make everybody always feel calm is just way too broad. Like it doesn't work like that. And it's kind of this um, like chicken and the egg scenario where it's like, if you have a lot of experience with a brand that uses blue, that makes you feel calm, you start to perceive blue as being a calm color. So the more you see brands with blue, the more you feel calm. Like, can you really separate the two? Probably not. But I think when we like dumb it down to like, oh, if you want a professional brand, your colors should be blue and sage green. And if you want a fun brand, they should be orange and yellow. It just doesn't really work that way. Especially if you are you know, building an international business, the perception of colors in the United States is very different from the perception of colors outside of the United States. Interesting. Um, But there is- I would believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Like orange in Hindu cultures is seen as like vibrant and religious and sacred. Whereas to us, it feels more like, I would still say it's vibrant, but it's like happy, fun, not serious. Not a spiritual color. Yeah. Exactly. The same thing with, and I don't want to misstate it, but I know there are certain countries in Asia where white is associated with death. Yes. And so that's why they wear like red at weddings. Yes. Because that's a color of celebration and prosperity and white is like, oh, that's creepy. Right. Yeah. So that's you have to, yeah, you have to consider all those things. And I don't think, I don't think there's any formula. I think there's only considerations that you should make. Okay. But there is some interesting research that I actually wanted to tell you because I think this is so fascinating okay, about okay. like what actually makes color important when you're creating a brand. Mm-hmm. So what's important is not that you pick the right individual color for a brand, but that you predict your consumer's reaction to the appropriateness of the color. Okay. So that sounds like... okay kind of abstract, but let me just explain it this way. If you are selling a pair of work boots and you are using a really soft purple, 
would you perceive that color to be appropriate for the product? No, I personally would not. Right. And that's generally what is found. So there's a study called the Dimensions of Brand Personality. And it's basically, they study like hundreds of thousands of brand and they break everything down into five dimensions. And it's basically like every brand fits into one of these categories. Sometimes Mm. there's some crossover, but it's like by and large, every brand that you can think of falls into one of these categories. And they are, the dimensions are sincerity, excitement, competence, sophistication, and ruggedness. And so ruggedness. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Like that was one of the key dimensions. And between all of the research, like you can pull up these random studies that say like, oh, when a website button was purple, users were 35% more likely to click on it. Like, I don't think those are terribly reliable. Um, When you're actually looking at, um, there was a study where they just changed the color. So they didn't change the product. They didn't change the design. They didn't change the fonts or the layouts. They just changed the color and asked what their perception was rating these five dimensions in order. And so this is like, one of the only things that I think is actually relevant in color psychology, which is basically that purple is perceived slightly more as a sophisticated or a competent color. Okay. Blue is perceived slightly more as a sincere or a competent color. Red is perceived as an exciting color. Green is perceived as a competent color. And yellow and brown are perceived as a rugged color. Those were like the only things. Because they they are the colors of pee and poop. Very rugged. (laughs) Maybe that's why. Maybe that's what it is. They're something natural about those ones. (laughs) But even that, like, you know, when you're, when you're doing as if I do like clinical research, but you know how, when they, whoever they is doing, are doing research they have to distill something down and take out every single variable. So it only applies to that one very specific thing. I think that's what this study and what lots of studies are doing. So the bottom line is, I really don't think that you can say like, well, we want a rugged brand, so we're going to use brown. That's probably not a great example, because if you're going for rugged, I probably would use brown, honestly. Um, (laughs) But like, again, it's a consideration. It's not like a, a hard and fast rule. And it's based on the appropriateness of the color more so than like the specific color. Like, and I think that's the question you should be asking, like, is this color appropriate for my brand, for the material that I'm sharing, for the product that I'm selling, for the vibe I want to give off? Like, is this color appropriate? So that's kind of my, right. My take on it. Interesting. And I think that leads me pretty closely into my next question, which is what's the role of trends in branding when you're making a brand you know color palette for your clients do you want it to match like this is what interior designers are using this season this is what the retailers have on clothes this season how much do you want to fit into that and how much do you want to stand out from that yeah so i i generally feel like it's better to stand out than to fit in i feel like there's usually enough ways to fit in that you don't need to be you don't need to be using any one specific thing to fit in. So I try to push the envelope as much as my clients want to. I'm also working more with personal brands where the colors are highly influenced by the individual's perceptions. So 
Okay. If I'm working with a CEO and she says, oh, my favorite colors are this, but I don't care about that. This is the product. Like that's two separate things. By and large, most of my clients are selling some version of themselves in their business, whether they're like a coach Mm -hmm. or a consultant or a done-for-you service provider. And so it's really important that their brand captures their personality as well. And so I take that into account when I'm choosing a color palette. But it's it's kind of this like, this is such a cop-out answer, but I feel like it's kind of this dance of, I want to conceptualize the brand on my own And I want to talk to them. And then I kind of bring it together and say like, okay, what colors kind of meet the criteria where they are appropriate for the brand, they resonate with the target audience, and they also capture the personality of my client. And usually I can find something that's like hitting all three in that sweet spot. And that's where I I go. I just looked down, not to interrupt you. I just looked down (laughs) and realized I am wearing... I'm wearing the troll color right now. I didn't know it's lighter. At least it's not like that super saturated. It's like, not that super bright. I'm it's imagining a more green, like, but I was like, oh, I'm imagining like newborn baby poop. Like that's the color that is like oh. so on trend right now. Like the mustardy. Yes, it's yeah. like a very '60s velvet couch color. Yep. Yeah. Which, yeah. This is a like little said, lighter than that. I really like that color. It works for you. It does not. It does not work for me. Okay. I wanted to talk about some strategies for choosing colors that I do not think are good ideas that get tossed around in the branding world. So one of the first things that people say, and I've even said this, if I have a client who's really struggling, I'll say like, go look in your closet and tell me what colors are there. And I think that's like some fun information, but I do not think you should choose your brand based on what colors you have in your closet. You don't think you should choose it based on your color season? No, definitely not. And I think, I think people are surprised if you, if you came to my house, you would be like, oh, your house is so like calm and neutral. And my brand is so like vibrant and upbeat. And I'm like, yeah, because I like those colors for my brand, not for my house. Like, I don't want, I don't want a house that's like pink and orange. That would be too much for my eyes, you know? Okay. That would be Pottery Barn from when we were in high school. Yes, exactly. One of my friends painted their room. They did color blocks. Half of the wall was brown and the top half was bright turquoise. And I remember being so jealous, like, man. Your room is so cute. Like, if only my mom would let me paint my room brown and blue. Okay, so you don't think it should be? Yeah, don't choose colors based on what's in your closet. Don't choose colors based on what your direct competitor is doing. I know that sounds super obvious, but like, again, it's this line of blending in or standing out, right? Because we have so many tech companies who have blue as their color. I was going to say, it does seem like blue is the internet color. Right. Now. So like, that's so what there I think is, of. There is some strategy to say like, okay, well, if we choose a blue, then people will immediately associate us as an internet company. Right. I also think that there's a compelling argument to be made for choosing something that is totally different. So like, I feel like a couple years ago, the color that everybody was going for was like, a, it was like exactly halfway between blue and green. Do you remember the okay. homey brand in, in Utah? 
Yes. Like that, like it's just right between blue and green. I feel like a million tech companies were all using that color because it was like blue enough to be techie, but green enough to be like cool and hip and trendy. And you can just like see how that works. It was, um, you remember the app? Was it Yak? Yik Yak? Yak Yak? Yik Yak. Oh, yeah. Is that still a thing? Anyway, it was that Uh, color. I think. There were there were some problems with cyberbullying on that app, and I think it yeah, you uh, think? it went the way of Vine. <laughs> Who could have thought? Side note is is nobody else going to call out the fact that TikTok is just fine? I have said it, but no no one listens to me about internet things anymore because I I was so <laughs> annoying about everybody reading the terms of service. <laughs> I was so annoying about making people turn off location services and banning Siri <laughs> that everybody. Just stop listening to me. Okay, here's another thing. Do not choose your packaging or your product colors before you choose your brand colors. Mm. Seems like maybe they're separate things, but you, if you're going to have a color, you need to carry that through. So you can't have like a purple hair straightener and have your brand be all green and blue, right? Like it, you need to create that cohesiveness from the beginning. Okay. And then the last thing is be wary of choosing too many colors. I think do you have a target that you're like three is good, five is bad? It depends on the brand. But one thing that I've seen with brands is that we're getting more and more colorful and we're using like really, really vibrant colors, which are hard to produce in print because we have so many brands that are like digital only brands. Right. Which is fine. Like, again, there's no rules, you guys. Like the whole point of branding is to stand out and be different. So like that makes sense to me. But you'll notice like the bigger a brand is, the more they pick like one color and stick to it. And that's because it's just Mm. really hard to be cohesive and have a lot of colors. So if you yeah. if you feel like it's all over the place, like you can have lots of colors, but like you really need your one primary color to be like it, you know. Also, a side thing. This is just okay. This is like a total side tangent, but I just have to say this. I think so many people think that branding is just colors. Like, oh, you just choose your colors. Maybe you have a logo, and then like that's it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, branding is like so much more than that. I used to say like branding is not just using the color blue, branding is the reason you use the color blue. And it's the reason that it mm. works for you. Because I'm like, if, right. you, if you have colors, like it's not just enough to put like a random social media post in those colors or all of your social media posts in those colors. I want to know like, how are you going to edit your photos so that they align with your brand colors? How are you going to present yourself on video? How are you going to decorate your office? Like all of those things are part of your brand that have to be considered. Like, I'm just like, don't just buy a color palette on Etsy and be like, check, branding is done. Yeah. It, it sounds to me also like your vision of branding is that it's about values and those mm. values drive the color, but they also explain how the color works to sell the product or reach the audience. Or it's, it's about translating and articulating that value in a visual way. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's like, I, I do both, right? Where I'm not like, oh, well, your brand is in this industry and you have these values and therefore your color must be this. It's like a co-creation process with my client to make those decisions. 
But that's my job as the strategist to consider those things, present the information, make my recommendation kind of thing. So it's like a balance of that. But what I do with my clients is like, we start with the strategy first. And from the very first strategy document that I send you, I say like, okay, if you want to be perceived as this, here are the creative solutions I would recommend. And I get Mm. super specific. Like I would use these kinds of images, these kinds of lines, this much, and this kind of white space, like every little detail to contribute to that perception. And like one of those is color and the use of color, you know, but it's, it is hopefully the strategy is infused in the color choices and vice versa. Like it's, it does create kind of this like cyclical thing. Right. So I want to go back to something you said about your, your third rule about things being different in the digital world than the analog world. Cause that's Uh a question that I had too, right? The colors that are being beamed into our eyes from screens, it can be a lot more vibrant than something that you have to dye onto clothing or print onto paper. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, how do you take that into account for people who are doing online businesses? And is there a separate set of considerations for people who have a physical, tangible product that they have to manufacture? Yeah. So I'm more of the traditional thinking when it comes to this, because I want your brand to be useful forever. And so when I'm working with a client, I'm I'm considering the print application, even if they're telling me that there's nothing that they're ever going to print. Okay. Because I think that helps you make better choices. I always design logos in black and white first. Interesting. Because the color can change your perception so much. So I want to make sure that the logo says what it needs to say, even without color. And then color is just an added element to that. And that's again kind of a best practice that people either don't know or they don't care. But the other reason for that is because your logo needs to be super, super simple. And so if you design it in six different colors, it's never going to work in just black and white. And so that's a good measurement for me of like, okay, is this simple enough? You know? And I think that we should, we should do an episode on logos specifically. But one thing that I always say is that your logo does not need to explain your business. Like it doesn't need to tell people what you do. Your logo just needs to identify your business. So they need to see it and be like, oh, okay, that belongs to her business, right? I think sometimes we think like, oh, we need to have this icon and this illustration and this clip art in my logo so that people know that I'm a designer who also builds websites, who does brand strategy, who also likes color, like all these things. And it's like, no, your logo just needs to be easily identifiable and recognizable. Like you can tell them the other stuff over time, you know? Yeah. Did that answer your question or just go totally off topic? No, I think it's helpful. I'm, I'm curious if you think that our color is something that can last forever. And let me tell you a story to illustrate what I mean. So when I was applying to college, Mm -hmm. BYU's colors were like navy blue. And then sometime between when I was applying and it, a year that I was attending, they moved towards royal blue. Uh huh. And all of their t-shirts and their football uniforms and their branding, like there was some shift in there. And my perception at the time was like, oh yeah, navy blue is boring. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's like khaki or black or white. Mm-hmm. It's not really even a color, which yeah. partially comes from the fact that it was one of the approved colors for our junior high uniforms. 100%. So I just like, I don't perceive that as a color. Yeah. And royal blue, what like 
is a color to me was something yeah. that I would have worn. Yeah. And now my perception is switched again. Like navy blue to me is classic. It is timeless. It is mm-hmm. forever. And royal blue was like this passing trend. Yes. And it's, it seems like young to me in a way that I, mm-hmm. now that I'm older, I don't, I don't like. Yeah. And this was for a university, right? Picking one color. Right, 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 right. So let me kind of answer the first question. Then I have a little thing I want to say about the second one. I think in terms of like colors being trendy, yes, everything can be trendy. Typically what makes something less trendy is like the more boring it is, the less trendy it is and the longer lasting it is. So if I was choosing like the most timeless colors, I would look at pure colors. Like that's, that's like your Roy G Viv, right? Like the purest form of one of those colors is, is going to be more timeless, um, but also like less, it's going to feel less modern. It's going to feel less trendy than something else. Same thing. Like you can look at like print colors. So you have like your CMYK, that's cyan, magenta, yellow, and key, which is black. So like the, the closer you are to 100% magenta, the more quote unquote timeless. I didn't realize how many times I used quote fingers. Jeez. The more timeless Sorry, your... Make you didn't mean to make you feel self-conscious. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. The more like timeless brand is going to be. But the second part of the BYU rebrand is it's really interesting to me that almost every business rebrands-ish multiple times over their lifetime. Even some okay. of these like very big seemingly timeless brands like we're talking like coca-cola nike apple like all of them have rebranded mcdonald's you know very slightly over time and i remember actually when google rebranded does this totally date us but they used to have like that old school serif font and it was just yellow blue and red and then they updated it to this new font and i remember being like Oh my gosh, like they everyone lost their minds when they moved to Sans Serif. Everyone was like, Western civilization is (laughs) dead. Anyway, and um, I remember this is so random, but this was also in the phase where I had Twitter and I was tweeting often. I no longer Uh have Twitter, rest in peace. But I tweeted, I love Twitter so much. That's why, oh my gosh, I can't have it. I know, same. So I tweeted at Alina Wheeler, who is one of like the foremost authorities on brand building. She literally wrote the book on building brand identities in the modern world. Anyway, also, this is like the lamest story because I'm like, I tweeted at this like thought leader, but she tweeted back at me. I was like, I really want to know what you think about the Google rebrand. Like, do you like it? Do you hate it? And it was super interesting because she tweeted back at me. And was like, it doesn't matter whether I like it or I hate it. The point is that it's smart because Google knows that they need to keep your attention. And to keep your attention, they need to modernize. Interesting. And I've always thought about that. Like, it doesn't really matter if I like it or I hate it. Like, the point is to keep our attention and to show us that Google is a modern business. And I think that's what it did. Like, it it represented a pretty significant shift. They rebranded, then they became Alphabet, then they like bought the world, whatever. Yeah. But like, they were showing that like, we're not a garage company. We are a global brand. We're a global internet company. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
I have another thought about Google, but also didn't Josh Groban retweet you one time? Yes. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. And Aaron Carter. Aaron Carter. Yes. Um, okay. First, what was the Josh Groban? What did I tweet at him? I don't remember, but I know oh, that he retweeted no, you. No, 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 no. I remember what it was. Okay. This is so embarrassing. I am, I'm 100% sure that I deleted my Twitter account, but I'm not 100% sure that you can't find my tweets. So if I ever go famous, please don't find these. So Josh Groban used to like respond to everybody who tweeted at him. Yeah. And I would like tweet at him all the time. Also, I was in college. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I would tweet at him all the time. And finally, one time I was like frustrated and I wrote him like, why do you never respond to me? You're so <laughs> annoying. And he retweeted it and said, sorry, question mark, and then blocked me. <laughs> today, today you would be canceled so fast. Oh so many gosh. internet people would just dox you. But oh my it gosh. was the early days of Twitter. It was I a, know. It was well, and it time. was like, I I wasn't like bullying him. I just, like, I really like Josh Groban. I'm like trying to defend myself. I'm like, I like Josh Groban. He's a nice man. Good singer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Aaron Carter thing was Aaron Carter started doing a party cruise. Yeah. And he was using the hashtag Aaron's party never stopped. Oh my gosh. Because I think he like knew that he wasn't maybe as famous anymore, but he was trying to tell say, like, me you're a husband without it. telling me you're a husband. Exactly. And I tweeted a picture of myself, like a selfie <laughs> to him. This is so embarrassing. And he replied back with the kissy face emoji. And I was like. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely did not know that. But I do love the internet for that reason, because there's a certain like unpredictableness to it that I just love. Like how charming that Aaron Carter could just (laughs) send you a little emoji of a kissing face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Just to give you an idea of how old we are, we had to get Pinterest back when it was invite only. Oh, yeah. Which was a big deal. And we would comment on each other's pins. Like, it was like a social media for us where we're like, this dress would look so cute on you. Yeah. I said some weird stuff back on Pinterest in the day. Please don't find me. Oh, my gosh. Back when I first had Twitter, you could attach pictures, but you had to click on the tweet to view them. And I remember I was mad when they changed it so they were viewable because I used that as like a humor device where like I would put the the punchline, but then you wouldn't get it until you clicked on the picture. And I was like, yeah, ruins my jokes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The changes were difficult for everyone. Um, So I was going to ask, circling back to to the point of this episode, to the point of all this. So I was going to say is, do you remember there was a time when all of the brands went like rainbow and i don't mean Um, literally rainbow like pride flag i just mean like all of a sudden slack and google oh we're all doing these like spectrum designs yeah slack was really interesting to me because they were going for like a dark purple yeah and they always had like their i can't even remember what it looked like now oh it was like a hashtag right I think it was. And yeah, then they changed that's what it the to channels like, look like on Slack. Right. And then they changed it to like little water droplet things, which I just don't like as well. But yeah, it felt it felt very googly to me. Yes. But again, going back to the Alina Wheeler comment, like it doesn't really matter if I like it or not. What it did was it defined Slack as a major player in software companies. Yeah. And I think they've honestly but done that successfully. That, 
But isn't that looking to your direct competitor, which you, I guess they're not direct competitors, but is that following advice you said was bad advice? I think it's bad advice. I think if you are a big enough brand, it's a little bit of a different conversation. So if you're a chump, don't do it. (laughs) Well, I just mean like when I'm building a personal brand, right now I'm working on a brand for, she's like a systems consultant, right? So she talks to businesses about their sales processes, their um, CRMs, that's like your customer relationship management system. Anyway, all those things. So we're looking at her competitors. I'm like, I want to make sure that you don't look like them. That's not really an issue because none of her competitors have good branding whatsoever. So whatever we do, we'll be better than that. We'll be better than that. But it's important when it's like, you know, why would they choose you over her when you're like selling something that other people sell kind of thing? I mean, that's branding. That's personal branding in general, where it's like, you're selling something that somebody else sells. Why would they buy it from you? Because of your personal brand. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And that's the visual, like that's the colors that you use. And it's the strategy, the messaging, like how you put it all together too. Right. But yeah, I think even Slack probably had conversations like how much do we lean into these colors and how much do we lean away from them? You know, there's pros and cons to both. Right. Interesting. My other question is, for you as a designer, like you obviously have your own aesthetic preferences and tastes. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to not fall into a pattern of saying like these colors are just better than these colors? Like, do you um, have to rebuy into the strategy every time for clients or is that something that's built into your process? Um, yes and yes. So I have to okay. rebuy into the strategy. And that's why, like I said, like I always start without color when I'm actually designing the logo. I will say that in my past experience, color is one of the things that comes together the fastest when I'm building the brand. I feel like I have a good sense of what we were talking about, like that intersection of the three things where it like the client likes it, is appropriate for the industry and it resonates with the target audience. So I feel like that kind of comes to me quickly and I like will present that to my client and they're like, yeah, nailed it. Like I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't change a single thing kind of thing. Right. But I, that's something that I worry about. I want to make sure that all of these brands are distinct. And even sometimes I'm like, does that look too much like another brand that I created? But like, I really don't worry about, how do I say this? Do you ever think about like, oh, have all the songs been written in the world? Like, how can there be any new music? You know, that feeling? Yes. Yeah. How can I ever write a book every time I have a good good idea someone else publishes it? Right. And like, there's so many books at Barnes and Noble. Like there's just, there's too many books. You know, I think sometimes people can feel that way about businesses or brands or Instagram accounts or podcasts for crying out loud. And um, I just like really, the more I do it, the more I see like the infinite combinations that can be made. And I feel like, oh my gosh, like I, I haven't even started to tap into how many options there are. I'm just like, I cannot wait until the day when I'm like, I've done it all. Cause I just, I don't think that I'll ever get there. I think yeah. each one is so unique to me. And I even have like, I've used not the exact same color palette. Like I've used maybe similar colors. I've used the same font in two of my clients' brands okay. very strategically. Like, and you wouldn't even be able to tell because of the way that I've customized it so much, but they're completely separate. So my, my last question that I had I was going to say, like, do you have any color combinations that you are particularly proud of or surprised by that you've used for your clients? Oh, okay. Well, I haven't used this one for a client, but this is a color combination that I 
have just really been feeling lately, okay. which is kind of that digital blue that we were talking about mm-hmm. with like a muted rose pink. It feels, okay. I've like seen it a couple times. I'm like, oh, that feels so weird, but so good. Okay. And I also love, 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 like I wish I did more brands that had a lilac kind of purple. I've really been feeling like lilac with a brownish mustard gold color and like Mm. a fern blue. Like I just, ooh. I can see that. I can. What kind of products do you think? Well, it's always been on my bucket list to do like a skincare item. Mm. So I could totally see like a light purple skincare line. Yeah, I could see that. Which I even feel like color is shifting for skincare where for a long time it was like, oh, we sell like beauty items. So everything's going to be nude and like skin toned. And now it's like, we sell beauty items. So we're going to be like purple and pink and black and green and gold. And like, you can see that kind of changes. Okay. So did we miss anything? No, I don't think we missed anything. I think color is super, super fascinating. And then, yeah. like I said, there's not a one size fits all. So I think it's something that you really have to experiment with and and ask yourself what you're going for to make the right decision. Yeah. I was going to ask, what do you know about color from a legal perspective? Hashtag not legal advice. Hashtag not legal advice. Um, <laughs> I'm not your lawyer. This is not advice. These are just some facts. Um, so what I do know is we talked a little bit about trademark law and trademark is something that the the purpose is to not confuse consumers and to distinguish products from each other, right? Yep. So under trademark law, you can, if you have enough of a, of a brand identity, I would call it, that's not the legal term for it. But if, if you have secondary meaning and people recognize your brand, you can trademark the color. Like Tiffany's so blue. Tiffany blue is trademarked. One of the cases we read in my trademark class is about a sponge. Like they had a very particular green color for the sponge. Is the Scotch Bright sponge? I don't. I think it was, but I honestly don't remember. Because the only sponge I think of as green is that one that has like the mossy green stuff on the back. The mossy green. Yeah. So that would have been it. Not to brag, but I went to the Taylor Swift Eras tour. Very jealous. And I cannot verify because I had such bad seats, but <laughs> from where I was sitting, it looked like she had custom Louboutins for all of her Uh-oh. outfits. And like the red sole on Louboutins is something that has been the subject of lawsuits. Yeah. So so I bring this up not to say that you better pick the right color or it's going to be taken by another brand because I don't think it will. There's so many yeah. variations, yeah. but that I think it's something that you can aspire to in creating your brand it could be so intrinsically tied to your product service identity mm-hmm. that eventually just seeing that color, people will know who you are. Yeah. And I, I just think that's a cool thing that like there are Pantone colors that are specific trademarks. Yes. Like this is what it means to be Tiffany blue. It's this specific thing. So I just yes. thought that was a fun tidbit. The greatest compliment I get is when somebody sends me a picture of something that they see at Target or whatever, and they're like, oh, this is this has Rebecca Peterson's studio written all over it. Yeah. Or like, I bought these flowers to plant in our flower bed in front, and they were like kind of reddish, orange, white, yellow, hot pink, and Cobb was like, oh, that's Rebecca Peterson's studio. Like, those are the perfect flowers for you. And I was like, they are, aren't they? Oh. So I think like that's so fun. that recognition is a real thing. It's really fun. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay, anyway, that's everything I have to say. 
Thanks everyone for joining us and we will catch you next time. Okay. We'll see you all next week. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aesthetically Speaking. If you want to support the podcast, please leave us a nice review or connect with us on Instagram at Rebecca Peterson Studio. 